Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About Dreams. I'm Brandon Hoxted. And I'm Eleni Matthew. In today's episode, we're speaking with our friend Tom. Tom is a friend of ours from Brooklyn who left the city during the early part of the pandemic. Tom knows a thing or two about audio since he's worked as a sound guy for theater and podcasts. And we actually got a few useful tips from him when we were getting this podcast off the ground. Tom was speaking to us from his parents' basement, where he was isolating for much of the early pandemic. When we were catching up with him, he shared that he thought some of his dreams were maybe a bit boring and basic. But after some discussion, we revealed some really interesting greater themes that he was processing in his life. So let's get into it. For sure. Essentially, you might know that interpretation is accurate if you start feeling it in your gut, because ultimately, interpretations have to pass the gut check, Mm. gut test. Because all of this stuff is coming from your subconscious, from your brain. And we're just facilitating the interpretation. If we offer an interpretation, you'll be able to know that it's right by feeling that kind of resonance. We're like, oh, yeah, I think you're actually, I hadn't thought about it like that. And you start building upon it. But if we offer an interpretation and it just falls flat, you're like, oh, no, I don't think it's really that. It actually might be more like this. And even if we offer something negative, it might lead towards something more positive in that us making a suggestion might nudge you toward some clarity about what the association might actually mean. Mm. So that's kind of how the process goes. And it ends up being fun. This is great. I'm nervous, but in an excited way. I'm, <laughs> I've been nervous all week, actually, for this. It's good. Nothing to worry about. You're in good hands. You know. <laughs> I think I'm less nervous about what it might mean, as in that I'm worried some part of me will be exposed and I'll be embarrassed more. I think I'm, I think I have some like bullshit in my head about people who are interesting, have interesting dreams, and I'm worried my dream isn't interesting. <laughs> And I haven't had that many dreams that I've remembered. And so since this, since I knew about this podcast, I was like trying to be very attentive about my dreams. Oftentimes people come to us being like, I don't think anything's in this dream. I didn't really think anything of it. I don't know what the hell it means. And then they're like, whoa, you might feel like, oh, my dreams are maybe not as cool as others, but really everybody's dreams are just fucking crazy. Some of them are really boring. (laughs) and might reveal some of your deepest secrets about your childhood, turns out. And some of them <laughs> might be really crazy, and it just turns out that you're feeling insecure about your job. It, that, that's, what's, that's what's really cool about dreams. So I, don't worry, you're doing good. You're already doing well because you're a human with a brain, you sleep, and you dream. <laughs> then I'm very excited to tell you about this dream. Okay, so I think I started the dream traveling back from what I think was Beijing or somewhere in China. I have been in I have been in Beijing before, but I'm pretty sure I was traveling out of there. And I spent a long time, I remember dealing with this backpack. I had a very small backpack, like one of those cutesy single pocket backpacks. I was trying to pack a bunch of things in it. And I remember there was a sort of electric razor charging attachment that I was looking for. That was an important detail that I could not find. So I just moved on. But I went to the kiosk at the uh, airport trying to like prove I had tickets. I didn't have any clear ticketing option to get out of this place. And I like remember doing some calculations to prove that I had paid for tickets. At one point, 
the attendant at the airport was pulling out this big, like, big scrapbook of colorful pins. And they gave me, I remember, wrote down these numbers. I don't remember why these numbers showed up, but they gave me one that had 21 and a half written on it and another that had eight. I was trying to like put on the pins. I wasn't, it wasn't clear why I was trying to put them on, but I was putting on these pins. And this is a part I remember really distinctly. The flight attendant said, are you sure you want to go there? You'll be going to a place with bad air. And this was talking about New York. I was pretty sure I was trying to get back to New York because it might have been stopping in Denver, but Denver has, I always know Denver is a great place with great air. So I'm pretty sure that was in reference to New York. I was the last person trying to board the plane and it was going to leave at the 30 mark, I was pretty sure, because I saw it felt impending that the clock was at the 27 mark and I was pretty sure that we were going to leave at the 30 mark. So don't know the transition, but eventually I get to the plane and the type of plane was like the type of plane you can walk onto with just the ladder that comes down. We were leaving from some sort of like rural area and the plane structures, the seats were like, a, I wrote down a four door sedan <laughs> and I was in the back and I'm pretty sure the person who was in front of me, who was a woman, I'm pretty sure we were somehow together in this journey. I remember she had a parachute and I did not. Then we get into the plane ride, and the plane ride is chaotic. We're flying very low. We're in a desert-like terrain, but I remember some, there being canyon-like structures below. It was red. This is a detail that I liked. I don't know why the pilot was complaining a lot about how there's a bunch of trash in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but the backseat of the plane was like, filled with those plastic liter soda bottles and it was like just there was tons of plastic soda bottles all all up in the plane like the the pilot had not cleaned their own plane and they were complaining about all the trash in the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we ran into I wrote down we run into a telephone pole but I think we sort of makes more sense to me like we the wings caught the wires of the telephone poles okay at some point the pilot stops doing pilot things and then he goes off to make himself a drink at the bar inside the plane. I don't know why there's a bar inside a plane and it doesn't even make sense the sort of layout of the plane, but <laughs> I'm just, there's like, he's at a bar and he's behind the bar like mixing drinks. So I guess the plane is still going, but we're, I think the plane, th at that point we're crashing. At that point, I think we are starting to, <laughs> I don't think anyone's operating. And so my partner and I are trying to make several attempts to jump out. And eventually I grabbed onto her because I didn't have a parachute. I just kind of like grabbed onto her from the back. And I was like, Anka monkey. That's what I wrote back. We got out and I don't know what happened to the plane, but we got out of that plane. Mm. That's, that's where I ended. Whoa. Mm. Oh my God. There's so much there. There is a lot going on here. So let me see if I've got this straight. You're traveling out of Beijing. You were dealing with this cutesy backpack. You couldn't find a charger. You went to a kiosk. There's no clear option for getting out of this place you were in, mm -hmm. even though you did all the calculations. Somebody hands you a thing that says 21 and a half and another ticket that says eight. The pins. They were colorful like, pins. Yeah, they were like... Do uh, you mean like badges? Like, yes, like, like things oh, that okay. clip onto your... Oh, you know what? I think it was not even the clothes pin type. I remember it was like a little grabby 
little alligator clip. And I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out how, to, how the alligator clips were supposed to orient on me. So mm-hmm. I was just yeah struggling with those. <laughs> okay, so you were traveling out of Beijing. How did you feel that as you were leaving Beijing? In the dream. In the dream. Yeah, I really wanted to get home and get out of there. Like I, I, had, I was ready to go. I didn't feel like I was leaving home or anything. And I felt frustrated by the bureaucracy that was like keeping me stuck. I didn't feel like there were, it didn't feel like crowded. I was like alone in that airport mm-hmm. trying to get out. So often we like to make the distinction of how did you feel about it in the dream? But then sometimes it's relevant how you feel about it in real life. You mentioned that you've been to Beijing before. Like what are your feelings around Beijing or China? I feel like maybe the obvious connection now, it doesn't have anything, at least I didn't, my first connection was not coronavirus related or anything like that. It was the time I spent with a former partner in Beijing. I spent a month there living with them. And that was also like the transition out of our relationship, although we didn't know it at the time. I start tried to learn Chinese. I lived there as if I were I bought groceries. I sort of like lived a in between life between a full tourist and a person that was just living there in, in a new city. Oh, that's interesting that you say the phrase you were living an in between life. I think that's a key phrase. I didn't know what I was doing yet, career wise at all. I was pretty lost at that time. And then you said that you were dealing with this cutesy backpack. Tell us about this cutesy backpack. How did you feel about this backpack? I was not capable of holding all the stuff I needed to put inside of it. It was gray with a little sheen to it. It felt light. And when you say it couldn't fit all the things that you needed it to, do you remember what some of the things were that you wanted to put in there but you couldn't? No, don't. I, I, the only thing I remember trying to find and put in there was this piece of shaving equipment. It felt like a sort of personal care appliance that was really important to me at the time. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't fit your, there wasn't space for personal care. That sounds like a key phrase. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm the type of person that will fret if they don't have the correct supply of chapstick before a journey like having the little upkeep, little maintenance items packed away <laughs> and enumerated is very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a key thing. <laughs> like Set the in practice. the scene. Set in the scene. <laughs> We're setting the scene here. <laughs> I think the fact that it was like an electric razor was not a surprise to me. It's, oh, of course, that would be a cause for distress. <laughs> Because there are no other electric shavers anywhere in the world except the one that I have. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a feeling that came up was distress. Okay. And then you went to the kiosk. You said there was no clear ticketing option to get off of this place despite the calculations you did? Yeah. Let's see. There's a detail. Okay. The numbers they gave me had nothing to do with the numbers on the tickets which I believe were multiples of 100s. This is the 6 a.m. note I wrote to myself. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you feel about the options that you were stuck with at the moment in the dream? Uh, Very baffled that I had no source of authority in this situation. Like I had no way of proving anything about myself to that person. The fact that they were questioning why we want to go to the place was like, that felt similar like they were saying, they didn't even believe that I wanted to leave. <laughs> they were like, what, what, do you know you're going to a place with bad air? <laughs> <laughs> and 
I was like, yes, I know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> also, this place has bad air. Get me out of here. <laughs> there seemed to be some obvious overtones in terms of, are you sure you want to go there? This is a place with bad air. That's yeah. the epicenter of a coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> there's lots of bad air going around there. So there's one, that's one level. Uh. But there also could be another level that maybe we can get to in a second. But I'm curious about this 21 and a half and eight. Do those numbers mean anything to you? Uh. And something about the multiples of 100. How old were you when you were in Beijing? I was definitely about 21 and a half. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, spot on. And how, yes. old are you, how old are you now? I'm 27. Okay. So not quite eight years later. No. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> that could have been amazing. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because the kind of introduction of this dream is putting you back almost to where you were when you were 21 and a half. Mm -hmm. And the association with that time was that it was a time of transition. So I think that's something interesting that we might have to come back to. And when you said that you were in Beijing with an ex, was that the same trip? The When you were 21 and a half years old, you were there with that ex? Or were you back in Beijing yeah, at that point? That was the only trip, the one and only trip to Beijing. Interesting. That's also, knowing you, I'm also aware that you had a relationship that was going through a transition phase on a trip that I believe is through Thailand recently. Yes, that's not lost on me either. Also, this just, I just was reminded that <clears throat> I have been reminded of that relationship with that person in, that I spent time with in Beijing because during the coronavirus, the start of it, before it even hit the U.S., I heard this person's voice on the radio, this ex of mine's voice, because they are one of the correspondents in Wuhan during the initial outbreak. So, I, so I mean, I, I would hear them like, as this was, thing was rolling and the gathering steam, I would hear them like on the radio and it was an opportunity to reconnect with them. I, I said, whoa, so cool to hear you on the radio. But yeah, that, that sort of came back into play recently. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so when you were 21 and a half, you were traveling in Beijing, and you were going through a transition phase exiting out of that relationship during that trip. I'm also aware that you were recently traveling and going through an exit transition out of a relationship. What is the eight? What does the eight mean? Was that eight months ago that you were transitioning out of that relationship? or that, It doesn't seem like it's been that long. Mm. Yeah, in May. Yeah, no. Doesn't I, I? Yeah, it does, the time connection doesn't come up to me right away. Eight X's? How many evil X's have you had, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 just watched Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was just about to say. <laughs> no, I, I don't have an anime entourage of fighting X's to list through. That would be pretty cool. Unless the eight is really just an infinity sign on its side, and this is just your life repeating infinitely, but that's a stretch. I, I like the number eight a lot. Cause it, I just, I always think of one, two, four, eight as the start of the Fibonacci sequence. And I really like that. 
I don't know why. <laughs> it just always comes to mind when I think of eight. Or sorry, there are mul- multiple, not Fibonacci, multiples, multiples of, or powers of two. Oh my God, I'm a math person. And I just got the Fibonacci sequence mixed up with powers of two. I feel embarrassed. How embarrassing. <laughs> how could you have, how could you have messed up your Fibonacci sequence? <laughs> no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> we're going to have to edit this out to save your dignity. So, okay. You know what? So many of my, the all. Maybe this is why I don't choose to remember dreams. Maybe it's a choice because so many of my dreams feel like they are showing up to a place and like not having the right, like showing up for the test and not having remembered to study like that. I guess. <laughs> we've, we've, we've interpreted that dream already. Yeah. We've interpreted that dream. You can go back a few episodes. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely a common human experience. Yeah, Totally. And it's interesting because there's a lot to read into the being prepared for the test. Yeah. My version of that is that I'm on the way to the airport, but I'm running late and I always, like, I've had several versions. It's like a reoccurring dream for me. And I know I'm not going to make it. And yet still not knowing I'm going to make it, I still make stops on the way. And Mm. I'll still go back to get something that I forgot. Or I'll decide to change transport halfway through, like from a bus to a car. And it's, oh, my God, drives me crazy. I always wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, I missed another flight. Like, how? (laughs) You know, I say that, and I, I now that I think about it, though, I feel like one distinction about this dream is that I ended up in a place of righteous, like, indignance about how, like, the how, that I was, like, in the right, ended up feeling like I was, I couldn't, the way that I was interacting with the sort of person at this kiosk, I was like, I know where I'm going. And then at the end of the dream, when, like, the plane crashes... <laughs> I think I felt like I was like I told you so, guys. You guys were driving recklessly, because like, because <laughs> I remember the sort of way that the plane was being piloted. I was like frustrated, but I was like this guy at the bar. I was like, you need to pilot the plane. I don't need drinks to be served right now. Go pilot the plane and do your job. Yeah, yeah. So I just say that to differentiate from the you know, the test dream because it didn't feel quite, it didn't quite feel like that. It didn't feel quite feel like I hadn't done my homework. It was more like nobody was understanding me. And why, why weren't we just, why wasn't everyone behaving rationally and letting me, letting me through? I want to get out of here. So going to that point about you saying that you knew where you wanted to go and you're being questioned about it. And it's like, why do you want to go there? Like the place has bad air. Do you want to talk a little bit about, I, I don't know, again, I don't know if this will be relevant or not, but I always think it's good for like the context in regards to like where you are now, where you usually live, <laughs> and maybe just like giving a bit of background. Yeah. So right now, I'm in lovely Denver, Colorado, and there's great air. And I usually live in New York City with lovely people like you. When I chose to drive I drove back from New York in a rental on not I wouldn't have necessarily left unless my parents and my both my parents are in the healthcare field and my mom's a physician so sometimes she sees they're both like very up to date on the whole path of the virus and how each state is doing and they were pretty concerned that I was in New York and wanted to get me out of there 
and they're like, why would you stay there? There's no reason to be there. I don't know. That just reminds me of this person at the kiosk telling me not to go somewhere because it's a bad idea, even though I sort of want to be there. Like I was pulled out of New York and I, she, my mom did not like yank me out of the city. It was just like, why would you be there? Why? There's no point in being there. Totally right. (laughs) Which is, I think the part of me at, at, at this dream was like, okay, I know you're right. It's not a good place to go, but it's where I've set out to go. So I'm going to go there. So as you were in the airport, you said that you felt this impending sense that the plane would leave at the 30 mark. You phrased it at the 30 mark. Mm. How do you view New York City? Do you view New York City as the place that you'll always live? Or is it someplace that's a transient place in your life? That's a tough one. I know that a place like that, the people and the energy inside that city keep me like alive and engaged and like focused on what matters. And I've always... As much as I enjoy my alone time and I want to be alone, I see isolated or less populated places as I'm always worried that I'm going to withdraw, play video games all day, not talk to anyone, I don't know, not go do cool things. And so I sort of like have this, I like I need something from New York and that thing is stimulation and people and events to go to and a lot of just like a big fat schedule of cool things that like FOMO is like, I have a love hate relationship with it because it gets me out to see the world. Even if I'm like, even if every part of my like introvert body is fighting against it sometimes. So whether I will be there forever, I don't know. I just need, I probably need some place like that. I need some access to a larger community so that I can contribute and feed from off the energy of other people. I was curious if the 30 mark mm-hmm. meant something around at some point in the near future, you're going to turn 30. Oh my and God. And where are you yeah. going to leave at the 30 mark? What, are you going to be leaving? Are you going to be stuck in Denver until you turn 30? Oh <laughs> or is it that you're going to be stuck in New York or you're planning to leave New York when you turn 30? But it also could just be that 30 is that pivotal or it's a pivotal number mm-hmm. in people's lives for whatever reason. I was also thinking of it as 30 is the halfway mark. Like 30, it's like, we're, like literally it's like leaving at the 30 mark, like leaving at half past. Do you say that in America? Half past? Yeah, half past. Yeah. And so like when you were talking about that, about maybe the city being transitioning, I was thinking more along the lines of is it the halfway point? Is it like the point in the middle and then it's the time to like shift after that? Yeah, I'm curious what happens at the 30 mark, at the half past. Uh, the plane leaves and I'm left alone. <laughs> so are you concerned about being alone at 30? Uh, being al- hmm. <laughs> well, okay. The, the way that I actually felt like that felt rang true, more true to me is that with respect to New York, for example, I have this sort of anxiety about not being back in time for like when it starts back up again or something. I think if I don't get back there, I'm going to miss the sort of grand reunion or the New York's virus spring where everyone comes out. And, and <laughs> the virus spring. I love, love that. that. <laughs> I am looking forward to the virus. Right. Spring. We're in the dead of winter right now. Ugh. And so and I think, 
Ironically, in spring. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's the worst combination. So I think, is it about being alone or it's more about being left behind? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like, I'll miss that. Oh, yeah. I think you you got it. I think you're afraid of not getting there on time. You're afraid of missing being left behind. And that, that, it makes me think of what that electric razor attachment, (laughs) what was important about that is that sort of like, okay, I know you guys are are Burning Man pros, but, or the type (laughs) of people that handle that sort of uh, festival environment very well, but I am a homebody at heart. And it is sometimes hard for me to like be mobile and adaptive to like any environment. So preparing all these, I don't know, personal comforts for the, for the big trip on the road is sometimes very important for me to feel comfortable. And so I know that packing that uh, personal care essential item of the electric razor, I know that's something that I would not want to leave on a big journey without I'm not sure if I'm making any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And also you've been in Colorado for over two months at this point. Yeah. And I'm sure there are things that you're missing about New York. You're, you probably don't have all the things that you need for comfort, whether it's all of your shit that you have at your apartment or all of the people that you miss. Yeah. (laughs) Like you guys. (laughs) But it's also funny because you've also described yourself to me as a turtle, which in that analogy, you always have what you need with you. Yes, but but you know, the turtle shell is really freaking heavy. And it's, I think it moves slowly. I carry everything. You know, when I used to, the first, (laughs) when I first arrived in New York, I did like AV theater work. I was a technician and I had all these little pieces of random adapters and equipment. And I would bring all of my gear everywhere to every job in this massive backpack and sometimes a little rolly bag as well. And and I was doing such a, like a weird diversity of odd jobs that I just couldn't leave home without all of the things. I think at one point this is like turtle metaphor came up because someone said described what I was doing as turtling like I was carrying all of my stuff on <laughs> my back so I, I've tr- I'm trying to live lighter now I I really try I am and I think it's a miracle I came to New York with and I packed in like a night and it just came on over I had one day of preparation before I left oh wow I wasn't planning to go I, it's not like I spent the whole week packing I just my mom was like can you look into a rental car? And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, oh, rental cars are going fast. I should just do it tomorrow. And then I did. And then I packed that night. Wow. <laughs> nice. Which is not so, something I could have done, I don't know, <laughs> eight years ago. <laughs> not in your usual comfort zone. No. Mm. <laughs> We've already covered so much ground. <laughs> okay, so the next part, you climb a ladder and then the inside of the plane is like a four-door sedan. Tell me about the four-door sedan. <laughs> what, do, what are four-door sedans to you? Yeah, wait. I might be getting this funny. It's more like it had sort of van seating, uh, two single-row seats. You know, so you had to climb over in this plane. You had to climb over the front seat to get to the back. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a sedan at all. I don't know cars. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was a really inconvenient way to climb through the plane, it sounds like. Yes, yes, yes. And it was a very chaotic ride. Uh-huh. So plane rides are transitions between different places. There's chaos. You looked down and you saw can was it did you say that the pilot looked down and said there were canyons, or you looked down we were canyons? Flying low. I think yeah, we're flying low and I could see the canyon deserts that feels very col- like Colorado sort of mountain desert environment with yeah, canyons for riverbeds all over. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a Sahara dune like desert. It was you know what I'm talking about, sort of arid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how did you feel about seeing these canyons from the plane? I don't think I can pull up a strong emotional reaction. It just felt not like Beijing. It was definitely not Beijing. And it was, that reminds me of Colorado. That terrain reminded me of Colorado. Okay. So it was more that you were out, you were transitioning out of Beijing. And at that point you were flying over something like Colorado, That at least something that felt like Colorado. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sort of like Arches National Park color stone. Mm. Which is funny because the dream started in Beijing, but yet we've been (laughs) talking so much about Colorado. And lo and behold, there's canyons from Colorado. (laughs) So I think we see some themes arising here. But also what was interesting about the canyons was you said that the pilot was complaining there was trash on the ground. You mean trash on the canyons, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't personally see that trash. What the trash I saw was just all up in the backseat of this plane like where my feet were just like mm. tons of these plastic liter size soda bottles. <laughs> and I noticed the phrase that you said was the pilot hadn't cleaned his own plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know the connection here? Oh, so my sister had, I used to have a car in Colorado when I was in high school and you know, we shared it. And then eventually, <laughs> eventually it got passed to my sister and I feel like I'm whispering because I, I feel like she, she's not even in this house, but I feel like she can hear me still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, so she eventually had to sort of give up the car and now it's sitting at this place. And I, the other day I took it out and she had said that she cleaned it, but oh my God, it's so dirty. It's just like, there's so much like athletic equipment that's gross and sweaty <laughs> all over the place. and. Um, I just don't even have the heart to talk to her about it because it's just not going to go well. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah. she didn't clean her damn car. (laughs) So this is the point where we can employ the tool of viewing every other person in your dream as yourself. So the pilot is you. So you hadn't cleaned your own plane. What does that mean? So... You're the pilot of your airplane. You're the pilot of your ship, and you're flying it. And then suddenly you realize you hadn't cleaned your own plane. You're looking outside, looking at all this mess outside, but you're realizing you hadn't cleaned your own ship. What does that mean? Well, in a literal sense, I have had, I've been thinking a lot about my own, the tidiness in my own living space. And. <laughs> oh, I see. You're talking about your sister. Your sister in your sister's car. Okay, there are degrees, okay? There are degrees. <laughs> I think I'm on a different plane. Not, not the literal plane, I'm on a different level. Uh, <sighs> oh, yeah. 
Well, <laughs> no, continue. Okay, so, continue. No, no, yeah. So, okay. So the the tidiness is one thing. I feel like I'm working on it, but the actual sort of beautification of my room, and I've been thinking a lot about what I want my room to look like when I come back to New York. How I want my living space to look, and and I can't. I can clean this house, and it's not really the place I'm planning to live permanently. Uh, although it seems like I'm going to be living here longer and longer, but I'm thinking like ahead to I don't know the what I want to go on my walls and I, what I want like do I want any furniture for my room and also do I want to live where I'm living or do I want to bug with some new friends that's been on my mind recently. So that might have something to do with the personal space. That how do you want to tend to it? Yeah, I know that I am now critical of other people's tidiness, and I often am reminding myself that many people have said I'm, I'm not a tidy person. Like the last person I lived with was challenged by my my like the, how tidy I was, how tidy I was not in the, in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice way of putting it. <laughs> uh, but I love that though because in the dream, like your critiquing someone else for not being tidy yeah and then of course i did it i like did it right in front of you i critiqued my sister (laughs) but in your dream you're critiquing yourself yeah you are critiquing yourself in your dream you're saying that the pilot hadn't cleaned his own plane but the pilot is you so you also acknowledge so you do acknowledge that this is also something that you're working on and that's fine. It's something that you're working on. And you you are aware of it. Your dream tells you that you're aware of it. Yes. that Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> so now, the pilot gives up, says, fuck this, I'm making drinks. <laughs> I love that. And we've already determined that the pilot is you. <laughs> so <laughs> What have you been doing instead of cleaning your room, Thomas? Well... So- we have uh, invested in some cocktail, I don't know, gear recently. We ordered a bunch of, we ordered a shaker and, you know, I've never made cocktails. We haven't been making cocktails here recently. <laughs> so you're making cocktails. I'm aware that you're also in Colorado where yes. marijuana is legal. Yes. And we can edit this part out if we want. If you oh, want as long as you, as long as you call me Tom, nobody will recognize you. <laughs> Tom with no last name. Exactly. So many talks could be But it's also legal in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, so. It's fine. Yes. So I've been experimenting with that too. Yeah. So the pilot takes a break from flying the ship and says, fuck it, I'm gonna go take it. I'm gonna go make some cocktails. I'm gonna go tune out, have a drink, get high. Yeah. Later on in the dream you say, I told you so, you're driving recklessly. I don't need drinks to be served right now. <laughs> Uh, i'm i'm playing i'm playing around with it i'm trying to like find a boundary between work and relaxation time and the sort of ticking time bomb of an edible has been the (laughs) like (laughs) you know i've tried to create that boundary but sometimes that means that i'm like getting you know i'm becoming high as I'm still piloting the ship, like I'm still working, and then I'm slowly realizing that I'm high. (laughs) 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 And then 
the wings are getting caught on the wires. <laughs> the the wings are going down. <laughs> it's crashing. You got to grab onto somebody else for their parachute. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then I crash land in Colorado. I don't even make it to New York. I never make it to New York in this dream. <laughs> oh. Sounds like a cautionary tale. <laughs> Is it? Uh, yeah. Well, to be determined, I guess. I I feel like I don't know whether I survive this parachute. I don't know. I don't know if I land. It still feels like an open question. This making the way I'm structuring my life. I like. Is it okay to be high like thirty percent of the day as long as it's not when I'm working? I don't know. I also know that you said that you're trying to take a break from the edibles. So it sounds like that might line up with the part of your dream where you said, I don't need drinks to be served right now. Um, Yeah. I think every time I think about reaching for uh, an edible, I'm trying to ask myself whether this is out of a habit. Am I doing it out of a good place? Yeah. Mm. Is this serving me right now? Yeah. And I will say it for sure has in some moments I, it has been like very, the, what I've been able to, when I've been able to access by, by being comfortable and stationary and not distracted by a bunch of people and high is like a whole new world of introspection that I've never really have had access to because FOMO can't really control my life right now because there's nothing to miss out on. <laughs> there's nothing to FOMO. Yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. I have been experimenting with also doing things before I would conceive, like thought, think of being high and as like taking a break from life where now I'm looking at it more as uh, a layer on top of what I was already doing. So when I do get high, like I, I'm, I'm it still like, sorry, just to pause for a second. That reminds me of half baked where John Stewart is like, you ever watch a movie? You ever watch a movie on weed? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like I will have conversations with friends that I wouldn't necessarily otherwise feel com- I would feel embarrassed to have a conversation with someone high if they weren't high too. And I think mm. I've been experimenting with what it's like to show up, still like show up and be present for someone, but just not be in the same like physiological state uh, as them. Mm. And honestly, I've had some of the best conversations that I've had with people perhaps because I've been relaxed in a certain way or because I wasn't mm. feeling so there. I've been, a, there's a layer of guilt that has been like accompanied being high in general that has maybe perhaps prevented me from even enjoying that, that experience or like getting the most out of it that I've trying to, mm. I've been trying to like shake that off recently. Mm. <laughs> recently. <laughs> Very recently. Tom, are you high? It's- Right now, <laughs> no. Actually, this is my this is my night off. Okay, because <laughs> also I was like, I was like, maybe that's kind of rude to show up to someone's podcast. high. I don't like. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe they want a certain attentiveness and presence of mind. This is all the things I have wrapped up in my head about <laughs> how I show up with people. So that'll be the next episode. I guess it depends how coherent you are when you're right. high, because. Right. I feel like I often get to this stage where I'll be talking and then I'll say a sentence and then I'll be like, wait, did that make sense? 
that make sense? Mm. Am I just saying words or am I piecing phrases together? And then I get all paranoid that I sound ridiculous and absurd and then I just stop talking. That would really not be helpful for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have had one validation, which is I have been crushing it at video games. Like, I, <laughs> while I'm high, I'm just like, and on the phone, high on the phone playing video games. I'm so good. I'm so good at video games now. <laughs> Quarantine schools leveling. Yes, Quarantine yes. skills leveling up on video games. Yes, yes. Love it. So one one more thing to touch upon is the notion of that person in your dream. The other person was a woman that had a parachute. So this is where we tap into the perspective of masculine versus feminine energy. Mm. A lens that we can see is that masculine energy is the outward phallic projection into the universe. And feminine energy is the receptive, inward-looking, introspective energy. And you are self-described an introvert. Mm. And mm. in some ways, it sounds like in your dream, you're latching on to that in inward energy. That inward energy is providing you the parachute to land safely. It's providing you that safety net. So this introspection, in some ways is your safety net. Well, I was just, I made a connection to that in that the person that was sitting in front of me, I never actually saw this person's face and they were sort of like looking like down. So I don't know for some reason that matches up with your idea of introspection, or Cause this person, this figure was not like an outward, was not like outwardly uh, oriented to like the other people in the, in the plane. They're sort of like looking down and thinking to themselves. In, during this time that you're in Colorado, quarantined in your parents' basement, mm -hmm. you're having a lot of lone time and you're also experimenting and really embracing and engaging with that. You're experimenting with what it's like to be by yourself in Colorado and just exploring that space. Mm -hmm. What the hell is this? What can I do with this? What can I do with this here that I can't do when I'm in New York with 14 million other people around? Oh, it's nice to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's Go on. Nice, it's nice to just feel like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and now I understand why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're in, you are in a very peaceful place with fresh air. And you get to be safe and alone in the middle of a very frightening pandemic. <laughs> and you get to be away from the epicenter of everything that's going on. And New York City has, is crazy right now. And you are in a place that has fresh air. It's a breath of fresh air. But at the same time, there, there are feelings that are conflicting. because. There is the fear that you will miss out if you don't come back in time. Hmm. And there are feelings that maybe having a few extra drinks or a few extra edibles maybe aren't serving you right now. Maybe they were serving you a few weeks ago earlier in the pandemic, but maybe not right now. And there are things that are reminding you about this transition phase in your life where when you were at 
21 and a half years old, you were in Beijing. And then before the pandemic, you were also transitioning out of a relationship. And now you were in this in-between space in Colorado at this point in time. The irony is that you're at home in your parents' place, but it's no longer home. You're in an in-between space. You're in a transition phase. You were coming out of a relationship that you coincidentally were transitioning out of while you were in Thailand, similar to when you were transitioning out of a relationship when you were in China. And now it's a bit of a chaotic time. And Pilot has maybe uh, had a few too many drinks. Pilot's maybe taking a break from sitting behind the steering wheel. But you also said the phrase, I know where I'm going. I told you so. You're driving recklessly. I don't need drinks to be served right now. In the end, you do know where you're going. You know where you want to be. And despite all the anxiety and the uncertainty and the tumultuous plane ride, you know where you want to be. And you know what you need to take care of yourself. You know what you're missing right now, those aspects of self-care. You know what you're missing. And we haven't even touched on, like, work transition. Oh, yeah, you started a new job. That's another transition. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Airports are all about transitions. Plane rides, car rides, transitions. When the pilot was making the drinks, one thing that I got from his expression was like, dude, chill out. (laughs) It's it's Hey man, be cool. Yeah, I did. I did get a little bit of be cool from him, and I feel like because he, the, he's trying to tell me something too. <laughs> because he is you. Yeah. And in the dream, you're you. He says, "Be cool," and you said, "I know where I'm going." Huh. <laughs> <laughs> These are all words that came out of your brain. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just repeating them back to you. (laughs) Oh, you know, what's good about this is that it, it actually matches with the way I've been thinking about my brain in the last six, eight months after, since I started a new type, a new, with a new therapist, (laughs) I, I started actually, my therapy sessions are, structured where I talk about parts of myself and what my parts want. I think it's like a type of therapy called parts work. I don't know. I don't know too much about it, but it's working for me. And I can immediately sort of, what's nice about this is that I didn't even really consider these other characters in the dream as like other parts of me. Cause I, I just, I came into this with, oh, every person in this dream maps onto another person in my life. And there are some creepy parallels. But beyond that, I, I totally see how that part of me, the pilot, I know, I know that part of me that's like, dude, you're working too hard. It's time to like get high and play video games. <laughs> Just chill. We're going to put on cruise control. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you know, the plane seemed to be doing just fine for a bit while he was making drinks. So he had something going on. Like, we didn't immediately crash while we were making drinks. He had time to shake a martini, is all I'm saying. But you also knew there was a threshold where it went a bit too far, plane crashed. You're like, oh, shit. 
Yeah, or did I just panic and jump out of the plane? Now I'm like, was the plane oh. actually crashing? Or did I just, like, panic? <laughs> These are valid questions. It's <laughs> <laughs> even better. <laughs> uh, you know, if I did panic, that's... I get it. Uh, you know, it... Yeah. I ended up in the <laughs> desert. And now I'm in the desert on my own little private spirit quest. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send you the pilgrim card, Dom. So that's the, that's what I was looking at. That was the archetype I was looking at. What did the pilgrim card say? The pilgrim card. This dream archetype card deck is really sweet. It's funny though because oh, it's, it's not. It's technically not a dream archetype card deck. It's just an archetype card deck. But clearly, because archetypes can come up in movies, they can come up in dreams, they can come up in like a lot of different stories yeah, like it come up in myths yeah like we just got this so we've been looking at it in the context of dreams and yeah. it's interesting because you could pull out at least two to six cards for like every dream you know yeah hmm. these archetypes are things that are very pervasive and appear in dreams that they just sprout and manifest and they're very common it's amazing that they really are shared between so many different people's dreams. Well, it's the universal consciousness. It's yeah. things that we all have in common and things that come up in spite of, like, culture. So Lenny looked at the Pilgrim card. We'll see what's this. <clears throat> the Pilgrim. The Wanderer, the Traveller, the Apprentice. For the Pilgrim, an outward journey is always an inward journey. This archetypal wanderer seeks wisdom, experience, and meaning in the farthest reaches of the globe and the deepest regions of the spirit. Yet when this archetype awakens, it rallies our sense of adventure and leads us out the door towards a new reality. With the pilgrim at your side, you will never lack courage, nor do you need ever admit it. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Shit, okay. All right, start that sentence again <clears throat> for the, the recording. The pilgrim at your side, you'll never lack courage, nor do you need every amenity. Travel light, travel soon. Your spirit needs it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I, I want to be, I, I be a light traveler. I always do. I always want to. <laughs> I, I, have, I have envies towards the sort of lightness that some people, like, will just pack up and go on a trip and you know oh i'm gonna go this place for the weekend i i i am practicing that (laughs) so this archetype is saying that an outward journey is always an inward journey so Mm. you don't need to carry very much with you because everything that you have is like within yourself you've already got what you need man your razor your electric razor and the power plug already inside of you oh i'll never go scruffy (laughs) oh my god you haven't even seen my covid beard oh who said you i can't wait yes my covid beard has gotten pretty epic well in real life i did actually pack my electric razor and i do have it so i did i was able to shave in real life after Mm. all (laughs) <laughs> and today Important. I chose to I chose to just dress up as much as I possibly could in the clothes that I bought back because I was just feeling like I needed to show up to my imaginary office looking sharp. So Oh yeah. I just I do that it. sometimes. When I'm leading a meeting, I normally put real clothes on. 
Mm. Oh my god, I've been going to Zoom meetings wearing I literally put on a button up shirt and I'm wearing either pajama pants or like no pants. <laughs> less really you could you do uh, no pants meetings well like I'm, I'm wearing like this pair of running shorts that are kind of like a pair of trunks today oh okay so i'm not, not like wearing no no pants but <laughs> just no no it's not definitely not pants <laughs> yeah, in my work i've only seen me in one uh zip up hoodie and that's about it because it's so comfortable it's my most comfortable yeah. clothing <laughs> i think was... we've covered a lot of ground here today folks <laughs> <laughs> that was miraculous and you were worried that you wouldn't be interesting enough. <laughs> long-running neurosis that i have about i don't know how i appear to others it's just well this sounds much like the dialogue between the pilot and the passenger <laughs> Oh, I feel Sounds like the passenger was doubting. The passenger was like, I don't know if my dream's interesting enough. And the sure. pilot was like, buckle up. <laughs> Have a drink. Oh, <laughs> I jumped out of the plane. Because <laughs> <laughs> God forbid the exactly. plane ride is too interesting. So good. All right. I love it. I think we got it, folks. <laughs> I think we uncovered the meanings of the dream. We uncovered the meanings. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I came into this with a few sort of, I was, resi- I was resisting the temptation to pre-interpret my dream. But <laughs> inevitably, I did my own storytelling about what all this would mean. And what was really nice about this time is you two is it got me to those like fundamental truths that there are more sort of like scandalous stories I could maybe make up about what my dream means in terms of like, I don't know, maybe ex-girlfriends and my relationship to previous romantic partnerships. And that all might be there as layers, but the kind of core layer about how I feel about the sort of deeper meaning we got to about how I view my, this time alone myself it's the meaning that i wanted to focus on Mm. and i'm glad that this time turned my attention to that it's like the story that i want to follow about what this time alone is doing me or time away yeah Yeah. that's what your brain was pointing you toward yeah because these are your dreams in the end and we're just reflecting back your words yeah and I, it's sometimes, it's what is really nice is it's helpful to have someone without all the storytelling that I already do about myself hear what I'm saying in the story. Because the game that I play with myself is, yes, I, I think I know on some level that the dreams or like they're all saying something to me. I understand intuitively that they, there is a story just trying to be told, but I do a really good job of coming up with storylines that are more interesting quote unquote that aren't necessarily the, the true answer of what's or they're like the simplest answer is sometimes most helpful for me to hear and mm-hmm. you guys helped me with that so Aww. thank you this is why we do this <laughs> so yeah <laughs> and you were worried that your dream was boring oh. <laughs> 
It's so nice to talk to you guys. It's so fun. Guys, I don't mean to cut this off early, but I actually haven't had dinner yet, and I think I need to go hang out with my folks pretty soon. I might have to jump on. Yeah. No, this is not early. This is we're we are in the post rambling. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing your dreams with us tonight. Hope you sleep well and dream a little dream of us. (laughs) (laughs) This is us trying to figure out sign offs here. I will dream of you. Yes, put that in. Okay. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Let's Talk About Dreams. This episode was co-produced by Brandon Hogstead and Eleni Matteo. Editing and sound design by Danny Perez. For more information, visit letstalkaboutdreams.com. If you're interested in having your own dreams interpreted, I also do private sessions. You can send inquiries to podcastltad at gmail.com. That's the word podcast and the letters L-T-A-D at gmail.com.